Okay. I just punched myself in the face. Hi. I can't do that, dude. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. I wonder wonder where it comes from in your soul. Does it come from like the fullest, happiest place? Or does it come from the emptiest, saddest, I don't know who I am place (laughs) and I'm trying to fill it up? Aren't those just the same places? Isn't that it? Oh, it's so great. Okay, we're going to try it again. Oh, that's it. That's it. Just the one try. That's it. It's all I got. Bullwinkle. Oh, God. It's so bad. I want to stop it so bad. Okay, guys, if you're still with us, my name's Chris Marquette. What's your name? I'm AJ Trout. You and that's AJ them. Trout. We do the, we do the, yeah. And we're the Cougar Chronicle podcast yeah. hosts. Uh, we're a podcast where two former kid actors interview other former kid actors about what AJ? About growing up in the spotlight, what it's like in the biz, what, what, <laughs> what it does to the rest of your life, guys. What happens to you uh, after you've been acting for a very long time as a kid? Speaking of which, today our guest is Devin Werkheiser, which I'm sure anyone knows by clicking on the episode. Uh, but yeah, AJ, what do we want to talk about? Well, it came up in our conversation with Devin, and I don't want to give too much of a spoiler, but we wanted to talk about the we want to talk about residuals, residual mm-hmm. payments, meaning the work that you do as an actor every time it's aired subsequently. So when reruns, actors get paid again. And we wanted to talk about possible misconceptions related to when you're a kid actor on a kid's show, how much you make in residuals and what that means for the rest of your life. So this very much is along the lines of how being in the business as a young person can impact your adult years. And I can speak to this probably more specifically than you can, Chris, because of my time working on a kid's show. The residuals, at least when I was doing it, so this is 20 years ago, and and I'm sure it's changed, but probably not all that much, are really not great. There is not a world so shitty. Yeah, <laughs> the worst actually. There was really not a world where I could have done a Disney Channel show like I did and retire off of that. There's oh, no I know way. Uh, you didn't even last like a couple more than a couple years. I'm sure. I know. Like, I, I know. No, and not even that. I, I mean, did it? Was there ever a time where your residuals from Disney and from even Stevens actually paid like your lifestyle? Like, like. Was there ever a time where well, it actually was a big? Off, when I was doing Disney Channel, my work on the show barely paid my lifestyle. Oh yeah, that's true. And yeah. um, I know that they get paid much better now, but at that time it was not great, and and the residuals definitely did not. You know, it's so funny. I remember so often having auditions for stuff, and I'm I've had like I'm in a ton of agents at different times. Even other people, I heard this a lot. Is you wouldn't get something for Disney, they'd be like, "That's ah, fine. They pay shit anyway." Like people said that yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. oh, Nickelodeon, oh, Nickelodeon is so fucking cheap. Like, you just, you would hear this. It was comment. a thing. Yeah. It was a thing. You know, they were really like for young kid actors, it was not great pay. If you were doing this, you were not definitely not doing it for the money. And I'm sure that that's evolved in certain ways um, for certain people. Um, but I'm sure it's exactly the same for many others. Yeah. And I can't say that it's a misconception that people out there in the world assume that all of these. Disney Channel kids and Nickelodeon kids that they're just riding off into the sunset after. Oh, it's definitely a misconception. It's definitely a misconception because they're seeing these shows that are still airing and still popular and garnering new fan bases and that they're still on and they're seeing these people, their work is still being displayed. And I, I'm sure immediately when you know nothing about the entertainment industry and haven't been a part of it, you would immediately think that, oh, yeah, that person's just raking in cash. Like, look, it's on the Disney Channel. It's still on. It's here. Yeah. 
And that is definitely not the case for, I think, a lot of people, a lot of kids. And it wasn't for you. No, it's really not. And so then you're dealing with this thing of you're trying to shake off your Disney Channel or Nickelodeon persona as you make the transition into adulthood and being taken more seriously as an actor and doing work into your into your later years. And you, you need to. You need to be able to shake that off because you can't live off of the residuals from the work that you did on Disney Channel and, and Nickelodeon. So it, it's just like this difficult paradox where – you grow out of you, you're going to be too old to continue working for those networks. It doesn't pay enough in perpetuity that you could retire off of the work that you did for them while you were young. And it can also hinder in a lot of instances, hinder your ability to be taken seriously as an actor to go work for other networks and other movies. I know that's a general general statement. It does not apply to everybody, but would you say, Chris, that there's some validity to that as a as a common theme amongst kids that do do sh- shows for those networks or kids shows in general? I guess you used a lot of big words the last like minute or so, so you lost me in my head a little bit. But what I was thinking about when you said it was this, I was thinking about how like I've always wondered, me personally, I've always wondered. I'm like, did Macaulay Culkin is he just still buku fucking rich? Oh yeah, like, does he just make Colombian drug lord money every Christmas? When oh, yeah. alone plays. Like oh, he just yeah. knows for sure a five hundred thousand dollar fat check is gonna arrive in the mail every single year, probably for the rest of his life. Like, is that how it is is that is that real? That's, well, here we go. Because it looks at me being him. I think exactly. that that's the case, but I have no idea. We have But that's exactly him. why I bring it up is because I'm like, I wonder what people have thought. Cause you know, you gave me an example earlier of when you at a certain point you were looking to make money of other than with something other than acting and you went on facebook and said i'll give oh, yeah. guitar lessons out and then right. what happened <laughs> just tell everybody oh, yeah. so what i happened. put this post on facebook that i'm going to give guitar lessons and i get a message on there that says guitar lessons i thought you were just living off of residuals from even stevens and i was <laughs> blown away that somebody would think that like are you kidding me what how could somebody <laughs> you know what this is that? but this is the same thing we're like m- maybe one day we talk to macaulay and we're like macaulay do you just like you just every year you're like buying a new island and he's well, like what what are you talking about guys yeah, i want to change I what make, i said. I make a I very modest thirty-five thousand dollar. i live at the poverty level line and this is what here's I what i've always here. actually believed about macaulay is that he wasn't because my experience with residuals was so I, I that I, they weren't very much. I always thought of Macaulay as not making that much off of residuals, and that like he's you know six months away from needing to get a regular dro- job, like he's going to pick me up in an Uber one day. <laughs> and, but the truth is that he, pro- I think that he actually is making insane money off of residuals. And I would I, hope so. I, I really hope so. I mean, I really do because I'm sure John Hughes did or his estate. You know, I'm sure that like you know the studios that put out that movie definitely are. So, you know, the, yeah, I would really well, I've hope heard that rumor, Macaulay- I've heard room, r- rumors about the Macaulay deal where they, he was able to renegotiate his contract for home alone two after the movie was such a huge hit and, and got back end and all of that stuff and uh, well, made out I, quite well. Amen. I mean, you haven't ever heard a story of him struggling or doing something strange. So, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Then, then amen. Um, but you also haven't heard a story that he's doing something completely different with his life to make a living. So, yeah, it begs the question. Yeah, it really does. I but do anyway, love, this is a separate topic, yeah. separate topic, separate no, 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 topic. Let's not say, go separate yet. No, hold on, hold on. I just want to say that I love the idea that Macaulay Culkin as a young child actor was able to beat the system in some way and get paid the amount of money that he deserved to get paid because that movie would have been nothing without him. And it was incredible. And 
and he was a star in the film. He should have gotten paid like a like a mega movie star should have gotten paid. So good for him. Well, one day you'll ask them. Um, but until then, yeah, the, the the misconceptions of residuals I think are strange. And I think what people don't realize is that, yeah, is that there are uh, most kid actors, um, I think a lot of kid actors will attest to uh, the lack of residual money they have received for projects, especially ones that may have really given them a big fan base and may still have a big fan base um, that, you know, that isn't necessarily part of their experience. I mean, I get this, I sang a song and a DreamWorks movie called The Prince of Egypt when I was a, a little kid. There was like this movie about Moses and parting the Red Seas and, and it was, Val Kilmer was like a voice in it is all I remember. And um, I get little residual checks for this movie all the time. I feel like if I added, I mean, I'd probably get like four checks a year um, for the last 20 plus years for, from this movie. I think if I added it up total, my guess is I've made like $550 <laughs> like all to add up like four <laughs> checks a year for 25 years. I probably got about 550 bucks, you know? And that's so about what I made off of even Stevens. Is that's about it. That's exactly <laughs> it. No, I'm kidding. It was more. Than that. And, uh, but you know, yeah, I think there's, um, it's, uh, I think there's, there's an unpredictability and I wish I knew more about how residuals work. I feel like if you asked 99 actors out of a hundred adult actors too, uh, no what, idea. No idea how it works, what happens, why why one project gives them a bunch of money and why one project gives them absolutely nothing. You just have no fucking clue, you know. Yeah, um, you yeah, just take you it. Imagine if all actors knew all of those details. It would, no. it's like it would change the world. <laughs> the world yeah. would be a different yeah. place. Yeah, yeah. Well, for actors. Um, so today, dude, we are interviewing the wonderful Devin Workheiser, which of course everyone knows from his big Nickelodeon show, uh, Ned's Declassified. And uh, Evan was also, or Devin was also in, um, Evan Gary was also in, uh, um, his first movie was We Were Soldiers, which was a movie I feel like oh, is, yeah. it's a Mel Gibson movie. It's one of those movies that's always on TNT. I feel like every time I switch by it, I'm like, going to watch five minutes of We Were Soldiers. Uh, and he was also in this really dope movie, which if you have not seen, I believe is still streaming on Netflix or was, and you can definitely find other places, uh, called Sundown, which Devin and my brother Sean did together alongside the very funny Sarah Paxton and very talented Camila Bell. Uh, that is a really surprisingly funny little movie that they made out in I Mexico. Love this movie. It's so yeah, it's funny. really and good. Your brother so, and Devin are both fantastic. They're so amazing. The whole cast is so good in it. So if you get a chance, if you're looking for something that will genuinely make you laugh, go check it out. Um, but yeah, we got to talk with Devin. Devin's done a thousand other projects and he, I think this might be uh, one of the most fun episodes we've had. For yeah, sure. it was a great conversation. I really yeah, it was it. so funny. And uh, and so we're so excited to share it with you guys. So without further ado, Devin Workheiser. I feel like to start off your probably conversations, you know, we do Google research on everybody. And the only thing I could really find about your beginnings, the genesis of your career as a kid actor was like one simple sentence in Wikipedia that was like, you were from Atlanta, Georgia, your mom signed you up for classes. And you booked a movie and moved to LA. That's it. Yeah. And like, is that the story? Basically. So yeah. like, I was a little, I was a little ham, man. I was a little kid who just loved attention and like loved to make people laugh. So for me, what started it was Austin Powers and Ace Ventura. Oh, it was like yeah. watching those movies. I would just recite them after and do impressions of all the characters. And my parents were just like, that's not normal, dude. That's not <laughs> yeah, normal. Not every little kid's doing that. 
Well, they obviously your parents were going to junior high in the mid to late nineties because <laughs> that was very normal. True. Without somebody quoting Ace Ventura. True, but maybe not well. You know, uh, <laughs> I was doing like the fat bastard impression and whatever. They were just like, "That's kind of cool. Do you want to do community theater?" And I was like, "Yeah, that sounds fun." And then yeah, I booked a movie called We Were Soldiers out of Georgia. It was a Mel Gibson uh, Vietnam War movie, and it was a small role, like one of his kids in the movie. It's basically background, but it led us to like this incredible experience on that movie, and it led uh, my Atlanta agent recommending us going to LA. Wow. That's all it took. I'm mean, which I get. I mean, that's not just any. It's not like you went like my first gig was like a regional commercial for a Spanish bank for like a local bank. You Incredible. know, it's like that. You know, <laughs> so like that's it's different than a, a set with Mel Gibson in a war epic. Is that the one time you were cast as a Spanish kid, Chris? No, actually, I, I was cast on a TV show as a Spanish kid. I did a Spanish. Oh, kid, really? uh, For a long time, yeah. But they didn't. They they didn't want to hire me looking at me. But then they looked at. They were like, you know, his real last name's Rodriguez, and they were like, oh snap, actually. Let's give this kid a callback, and then and then I actually I can it. see it now. Actually, I can, I can see, see it. it. Yeah, I see the curly hair. Yeah, you're not you're not really Jewish, are you? No, you're a Spanish kid. That's that's that was the decision making. Exactly. But yeah, but but anyway, the, to that point, we like we were soldiers and a Mel Gibson epic and a war epic of all things. That's a totally different experience. I imagine there's a, you know, you can get that Hollywood twinkle in your eye. You that, know, like, that's it, man. We started at the top. Now yeah. we're here. Yeah, and then, yeah we, exactly. then we went down. No, then <laughs> it's a slow, we, but not really. We slipped into it, madness. No. It's not. I mean, your story, you know, then it sounds like you guys moved to LA. Who, who moved to LA with you? What's going on so, with your family? I'm so, always curious about this and because you have to have a special type of family to Make Dude, that the, the older I get, the more insane it is to me that my parents did any of this. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's insane. I'm not gonna do this for my future kids. Not <laughs> that man. It's you're stuck where you I can wait be. till you're fucking 18. I'm living my life, dude. Um, but um, but I still remember them sitting me down at our at our kitchen table in Georgia, and like there was kind of this serious air of them saying like, you know, hey, we need to talk to you tonight. And they they sat me down and they're like, so you know. Your, your agent has a connection with an agent in Los Angeles. And how do you feel about your mom and you like going to Los Angeles for a, a few months to audition for pilots for pilot season? And I still remember kind of the confusion for me as a kid of like, why is this such a serious conversation? Like I was like, absolutely. That sounds incredible. Sure, Yeah. It's like a visit to the water park on a weekend. Yeah, I'm like, what do you mean? Do I want to go to Disneyland? Yeah. Like that sounds awesome. And I, I now know as an adult, like looking back, like it was so serious because for them, it was a huge decision. Yeah. It, it yeah. was serious for them. And they brought it to me as if I was going to like, I'm like, yeah, that's how this incredible. be a lesson to any parent that happens to be, God forbid, happens to be listening and trying to take notes on these conversations that we yeah. have. But I, I went to the exact same thing. I was in Jersey and my parents sat me down, me and my brothers, and they went, how do you guys feel about going to LA? And I just remember like, it was that as easy as that. I was like, that sounds dope. Sounds awesome. Yeah. No idea what that, that the implications were. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it, was, it was not like, oh, also we're going to be moving away from my friends that I've had since high school. Uh, dad's going to have to get a new job. It's going to take about a year and a half. So we're going to have to, you guys have to move out there on your own first. And like, it was, a, Ex there was I had no idea. You know? Exactly. AJ, where were you from originally? I'm from Chicago originally, but I moved here from Las Vegas, which is a bit easier. I mean, for you guys moving completely across the country from Georgia and 
uh, New Jersey, you can't go back. You're going to get on a plane and go back. So my mom and I would often drive back and forth to Las Vegas because I had two brothers that lived there and my father still lived there. My parents were divorced, which also made it easier. But your parents were together, right, Devin? My parents were together. Yeah. And they did, the, they did the separate thing. Do you think that was particularly hard on their relationship in I, any way? I think ultimately it ended their relationship. Oh, really? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, they got divorced. They got divorced four years ago. So I was I was 25. I was fully an adult at that point. I don't hold like blame on myself for it. Like they chose all this and it wasn't just that. But I think if they had stayed and lived the normal life in Atlanta and not spent, I mean, seven, eight years with my dad still in Georgia with his job and my mom out with me and we would go back sometimes and he would come out. But like, it just created a huge separation. There's a lot of occupations that can do that to, you know, sure. to relationships for sure. But it is a, you know, there's also two completely different lifestyles. A nine to five lifestyle is so different than the endeavor into you know, acting, especially with a kid, you know, so I gotta imagine. So your, your mom's taking all the auditions. She's showing up to set with you. She's like, yeah, she is with you on the whole ride. And your dad is essentially missing out on the whole thing too. And he likes it more than my mom. Like he loves, Oh really? Yeah. Like he like loves the, the LA like actor Hollywood. Yeah. 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 And he likes actually like the mystique of it more than my mom. My mom, like, she was just happy to like do it for me, but she was also so watchful of like the things you need to look out for Anything for your kid. Yeah. I mean, look, I also get like, you know, you're a kid that it sounds like from a young age, you're always performing and you're good at it. And they see that and recognize that there's this talent there and you seem to like it. They put you in classes, you get an agent, and then you end up on a set with Mel Gibson and doing this big war epic. And your agent says, you got to take this kid out to LA it can happen. Yeah. You know, those that those are some big words for people, you know? It's true. And yeah. And, and I think it happens for all And they kinds weren't of wrong. Kids. Yeah, they exactly. Were right. they it totally worked all. out. Yes. Exactly. You you came to LA and you ended up on, you know, a big Nickelodeon show as yeah. the guy. But you know what? It is a show that is grouped in with like all the Nickel all the Disney shows. I mean, it's only the the corporations that have a, a competition with each other. All the kids on Disney and the Nick, fans we don't all care. knew each the fans yeah. don't care. They yeah. like one both. giant station. And and yeah. us kids, we all know each like I knew all the kids on Disney at the same time. Like we were all homies. Right. But yeah, back to it was like my dad said, like he told me this at a very young age. He was like, look, Devin, like, I like what I do. I don't love what I do. He's an accountant. He's like, I like what I do. It pays for my life. I, I don't love what I do. You have the opportunity to do something that you love and succeed at it. So like, we're going to support it and like, go for it, dude. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. Beautiful That's thing. Awesome. That's great. That's really yeah, nice. It's really cool. So despite, you mind me asking, like, despite yeah. then your parents splitting up, you know, a few years ago, you know, it's never been something where it's felt like a regrettable decision or anything in, in your family for the, it's just, that's just the way nah, things went. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way it went. Like everyone was following kind of the right thing, you know, like what yeah. led us out here was love and like support of me and like, and our life got way more interesting living in LA and not in Georgia and like, and ultimately like my mom's here in Georgia now, my dad moved back to where he's from Pennsylvania. Like it's all there, hmm. there isn't there isn't regret there isn't like yeah. we shouldn't have done that yeah cool that's great that is really nice yeah so did your mom then was she able to find this isn't something we've actually talked about on the show so given the circumstances and how life changed was your mom able to find a life for herself in la that's completely her own with friends and work and all of that kind of stuff yeah man 
Yeah. And, and I mean, she was all, my parents were always very social, always had a big friend group. A lot of them at like when I was on Ned's came from those parents on Ned's and things like that. Mm. But now since uh, they separated and my mom's out here. Uh, yeah. She's a production accountant. She went back to work. So no she way. works really? on, she works on television shows as an accountant. Wow. Wow. And has her own group of friends and friends and her own life and yeah she's she's amazing man that's great i don't know do you realize that that's rare like for a lot of a lot of kid actors parents coming to la or moving to new york or something yeah it actually it kind of supplants them and they they tend to untether from a lot of their world and what they know and stay that way it becomes really sure yeah and and they kind of stayed just sort of either tied to their kids careers that are now adults or um, or they go back home, you know, if they need, you know. there are so many ways being a kid actor can go wrong for both the kid <laughs> and the parents. Yeah. And like somehow we threaded a good line where we're all pretty much okay. Despite things happening, like we're all good. Yeah. Is is there yeah. anything that, that you feel like, Ooh, we, we could have got that one a little bit better. We, we, we could have done that, that thing a little bit better now in retrospect. Um, just in terms of navigating my career post Neds, we didn't know any better, but just in terms of navigating those few years after the show and like keeping momentum, like there was a couple projects that we passed on because they weren't meeting my quote or whatever, which quotes disappeared anyways. Like, right. But it was advised to us by our agents and managers, like, well, like, nah, let's, let's pass on this role because they're kind of not going to pay enough. Let's hold out for something that will pay you what you're worth. But in retrospect, it's like, nah, dude, let's get on another show. Like, let's keep yeah, this, let's, let's keep, keep, let's keep this thing going. That's what's important. So little things like that. Yeah. It was just the navigating of a career that we were doing our best from where we knew and what we were being advised, but there were things we could have done better. To- I totally get that. I, I, I can think, relate I, to I that. Every single actor will relate to that. If exactly. you've been acting since a young age, there's literally, you're like, you know, because there is, there, there's something that comes with success where there becomes, there's a preciousness that starts to happen with the decisions you make. And it really, after a while you start to realize, I don't know, best advice most people have is like, just stay on the roller coaster move where it's going to take you and things will things will work out that way because i i think i literally know like one person one former kid actor who got precious and it worked out in the way that they wanted it to everybody else you kind of go yeah i don't know man i'm still you know you're still an actor like it's you know you it's (laughs) you you didn't always get your way and that is you know i feel like that is more often than not 99 percent of the time that's the truth yeah so much. Well, I mean, there, there's so much luck that comes into that point. In not that your own talent and abilities to succeed isn't a big part of that, but to to Devin's point, having the right people to counsel you that are giving you the right advice in in those moments is huge. And you don't even you don't know how to choose the right people when you're just starting out. And so of it's sort of the luck of the draw at yeah. that point to to get that right advice and and make those proper decisions. And I mean, there's also just choosing those pilots. Sometimes people choose the pilots that go run for 10 seasons. And sometimes people choose those pilots that, you know, don't go to series and no one ever sees again. (laughs) And I did that for like two or three years in a row after even Stevens of choosing. And and I'm not, this isn't me um, being bitter about it at all. It's just kind of like just sharing a little bit of, of my own story that you, you just doing two or three pilots and they don't go to series and like, well, that's, 36 months of progress where you have nothing to show for it 
It's no just kidding. over three years have gone by and then it doesn't matter as far as the outside world or the industry is concerned. Yep. It's just the reality of, yeah, being a kid and making that transition. Sometimes mm -hmm. it works, sometimes it doesn't. So a fun even Steven story for me that's chronological to this journey is my first pilot season in LA. I booked this uh, little indie movie called Recipe for Disaster. Oh yeah, with Margot Harshman. Margot Harshman. Yeah. Oh, really? Whom I, I loved. Yeah. And even Steven's like was my, that was my favorite show of the kid shows. Like that was my shit. And yeah, booked this movie with Margot Harshman and she brought me to the even Steven set once. And I probably would have met you like in passing then in the makeup trailer. And I would have been a 11 year old little kid, but I got to like, <laughs> I got to like visit. You guys were shooting the final episode. You were shooting the, the movie. Oh, the okay. No way. Movie. Wow. That's crazy. And, yeah, I got to meet you guys then, like just briefly. But uh, yeah, that was like my first pilot season in LA, and that was pretty cool. And uh, her and Shia were dating at the time, so yeah. like he was like on set once or twice, which was mind blowing to me because he was like my idol. Um, yep, I get it. And then Margot and I dated for a long time after that, which brought yep. right. Did after I not? That movie. Did I not know this? I guess not. I, I was just thinking I that. I was like, this. I was the second the word started, like, and and Margot was dating, and I was like, Chris, me at the time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know the time of it all. But yeah, that was my first. She was my first girlfriend. I thought oh that's my goodness. Yeah. How how did funny. you guys meet? L literally You're through AJ. Right. Yeah. But like the, the same sort of way a lot of Two worlds kids. together. I brought my Even Stevens world together with my other actor friends. So basically the Oakwood kids and the Even oh, Stevens kids. Sure. I introduced everybody at City Walk. You did. Yeah. You were the, you, you were the point person. Yeah. <laughs> AJ yeah. was connected. We must have all been at Oakwood at the same time. I'm sure we were just indifferent on the indifferent north side. Hanging, hanging exactly. out for sure. Exactly. Maybe not living yeah. there, but hanging out for sure. So is that where you wow. guys first landed when you got here, Devin? Yeah. Well, first pilot season, we were at um, the Burbank Extended Stay In on Olive. Um, oh, yeah. I was there then, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the next pilot season, we were, we were at Oakwood. Yeah. My mom will appreciate this question. Were you When you moved to Oakwood, were you living in a one-bedroom apartment with your mom or a two-bedroom apartment with your mom? You wanna you wanna hear the truth? A fucking studio, studio bro. Yeah, studio, studio with Absolutely. a bed that pulled out of the wall. That's when exactly. I, I just think when, that's what I when did. When I found <laughs> out I booked Ned's Declassified, I still remember I was in the bed I'm sharing with my mother in the bed that pulls out of the wall when she got the <laughs> when she got the call from my manager that I booked Ned's. A one bedroom or a two bedroom? Who are you, AJ? I didn't want to be fancy motherfucker. I just can't tell you. There are probably thousands of stories that start exactly like that. You're like, I was on a Murphy bed with my mom at Oakwood, and I got the call that you booked the show. Like that is literally. That is the start of so many stories for so many former kid actors. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, and so God. wait, so, so then actually the, let's let's take it to there, right? Which is like bring us then to where your life obviously then really takes a, hard, a yes. big change and you you're like is the first thing you do is you're like move to that two bedroom baby. Like like what happens? <laughs> Getting off this Murphy bed, mom. <laughs> go get your own bedroom. Well, like, you what happens? You know, there's some time there, right? It's like we shoot the pilot and then like then it's just that anticipation of like this show's good, this show's funny is it gonna get picked up? So that was my second pilot season in LA, which also is that thing that gives you like, all right, we're on the right track. Like yeah. I booked that the movie right last mm -hmm. time, I got to meet Shia yeah. LaBeouf, big deal. Um, the, yeah. next, the next year I got to book a pilot, that's my own show on Nickelodeon. 
And now that horrible waiting of like, is it going to go to series? When it went to series, the call we got, oh, this industry, isn't it wonderful? You, we got a call that was like, congratulations, the show's going to series. However, there's three leads in our show and they were all white in the pilot. So congratulations, the show's going to series. However, we're going to need you to come back in and test one more time for your role that might go to a diverse actor. One of you is getting recast for a diverse actor. Did you throw, did you throw up immediately? I vomited and shit my pants. That's <laughs> the nerve, yeah, the that nerves is like... associated with that. It's so, I mean, what a ro emotional roller coaster. And good for Nickelodeon for acknowledging that you need diverse people. Like it, you, it they was made the absolutely right call, the right call, but a horrifying feeling. 13 year old you in the emotional turmoil that's going on has got exactly the, 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 there's a good acknowledgement because we know somebody else was on that disney that went through something similar with disney right yeah um you know some 20 years ago and went through it where disney said no look we've got a lot of shows with little white kids in it and we need to break this up and be more representative of um the actual world and which is great and and it's great because that goes largely unacknowledged for the most part you know um, yeah. i feel like you know not not often do you get to hear those stories you kind of hear um, you know, appropriately, a, a mag new magnifying glass on that issue within the entertainment industry. Right. Um, but it's something that has been addressed from time to time. And yeah. Um, but the but that also speaks to like the other really hard lesson I think everybody learns uh, if you stay acting longer than a year, which is that your job is never safe, like yeah. ever, 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 ever safe because you think you get the test and it's between you and somebody and you're like, well, I got a 50, 50 chance. They're like, actually, they're not going with any of you guys. And they're moving the whole show to New York. You're like, what? Like, and they're switching <laughs> to a girl. So sorry, you won't ever even have that. You're like, wait, wait, wait. Or then you get the part and you're like, great. And sometimes, I mean, you know, I, I got, I was like, literally a hair a, a breath away from being fired from like the first pilot I ever booked. Yeah. And so, you know, so like and it happens where you can be on the job and they can fire you and replace you while you're Oh working. yeah, that happens. I, I knew, well, and it I, doesn't change. It doesn't go away. Sorry, Devin. It's yeah. not like it gets there's job security after you've been in the business for 30 years. It's well, never. Still, no. You're you know? never but, safe. But if you're how old were you when you when when Ned started? So you're 13 years old, you move all the way across, your parents have split themselves up, you know there's this air that is like, it's an intense decision for your family, you finally get validated and that you book the show, you're waiting on the news and then they say, hey, great news, the show's going, you're like, oh my God, like bad news, you gotta audition again. You have you're to like, audition again. Yeah, excuse me? For your role that got picked up, like that is so. What you did. So it's what horrifying. did you? What yeah, do you right. remember yeah, so of that, that process? Like, yeah, yeah, what do you remember of that? Was here's, it here's what I remember. We're we're back at Nickelodeon uh, Animation on Olive, um, oh, and yeah. and you know all the producers and the creators, Scott Fellows. I like knew because I did the show already. And you're Ned. Yes, you're Ned. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, like you're Ned. That's the what, name of the what show. I, what I what I remember from it was so basically they had one other actor for each of our roles, like. They had one person who was like, here's the counterpart. And I remember the kid auditioning for Ned. He's he's an actor. His name's Carlos Pena. He ended up being on Ned's later. But I remember Carlos being so cocky, dude. So <laughs> cocky. Such a prick in that audition for my role. <laughs> That's so funny. What was he like? Hey, white boy. Look, uh, look, they're changing no, shit no, up. No, 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 no. He was like... He was like nice, but like 
Oh, cocky. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I yeah. got this. Like, hey, buddy, let me take you under my wing. I'm like, what are you doing? This is yeah, my wing. Go away from me. <laughs> and then I also remember Daniel Curtis Lee is who ended up playing uh, Cookie on the show. He ended up playing the best friend. He is who replaced the actor in the pilot. Uh. And I remember Daniel was there with his brother and both of them were so cocky and not in a nice way. They were just like, really? yeah, whatever. Like, we got this. Like, they were just like at 12 or at 13, just yeah. like, just uh, shitting on children around them. Yeah, around them. And ultimately, Daniel is who ended up getting it. And I'm so glad because he's one of my favorite people in the world. So yeah, let's break that down because for somebody who doesn't know, right, there can be this air that people give off in audition rooms that are dramatically different from who they are once they're on a set or when they're off a set yeah. and you're just you run Absolutely. into them in an audition or just, a, you know, in, in life. But there is like, you know, I think I think it's probably due to parents or their own just their soul. They just like... <laughs> There's obviously uh, an attitude you can take in as you would if you're like, you know, on a football team. Exactly. As you would if you're at like a wrestling meet. Everyone handles that stress differently. Everyone yeah, exactly. handles like it is a stressful situation where you need yeah. to not come off as stress. You need yeah. to be. You need uh, to look relaxed and, and feel relaxed. Yeah. And feel like you're a person who's living yeah. and not just like a paranoid, neurotic yeah. mess of emotions. So yeah. everyone handles that differently. And, uh, and especially at 13 years old. Exactly. <laughs> so, so you're surrounded by a bunch of kids auditioning for this thing that you already filmed. Exactly. That you, and that you already went through this process for, and they're all acting like cocky little shitheads. Exactly. And you're like, I'm like, this is mind blowing. And so, yeah, for you, did it, did it throw you off or did you feel like you actually kind of had your composure or what, what i had my composure because like i knew the scenes i knew what i needed to do you know scott was Fellow, it the same scenes yeah it's the pilot like we have to reshoot the pilot so it's like the same stuff that i auditioned with originally so it's like i know wow. what i'm doing with it yeah. and scott fellows is an incredible he's an incredible man the the guy who created neds and ep'd it and you know he had talked to me beforehand and was just like just just do what you do and like it's all good don't worry about it he was fighting for me with that's Nickelodeon. Cool. Yeah, that's cool. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, yeah. Scott. <laughs> yeah. Devin, what was the feeling like when you got the call that you got to still play Ned? Yes. that I mean, then it was on. Like, now that started a really... I mean, you you guys know as actors, like it's it is truly such an emotional roller coaster life. But when you're at the top of it doing loop de loops, it's incredible. Um, like it started a such a good time in my life. Like, oh my God, we came to LA and it's actually happening. Like I have my own Nickelodeon show that I'm the title character of. And it started kind of this whirlwind of energy of like flying to New York for the upfronts and like doing a, what was it? Like they had to do a, like a press training for me as a kid, hmm. you know, like teaching me not to say, um, too much, teaching me how to answer, not uh, like press scratch your balls and not, say the word shit. Not I have not heard a lot much. of ums from you. You are very good with those yeah, ums. You, you are. Yeah. Chris you and got... I never got that training and we, no, um, we all over the place. <laughs> Yeah, but walk us through that a little bit. I haven't heard that story before. So they put you through a training. Yeah, because, you know, I was going to fly to New York for the upfronts, which for people who don't know, that's just when networks announce their new shows and you do like kind of a bunch of press for them mm -hmm. 
So it was for that and them knowing like they were going to be premiering this show once we had it shot. So I was going to be doing press. So they literally like sat me down to do a training, um, wow. which is crazy at 13 years old. It's it's needed in the career. But like thinking about being 13, like with these grown people telling me about like how to talk to press people and adults appropriately in a way that's interesting and finish your sentences clearly and don't say um and i i got and trained it, to be a little a little robot man and did it feel like that did it feel like it went against your instincts or did you nah, just feel it, like it no nah, just part nah, of the just job felt like like all right let me learn this stuff let me get good at this like i was always a good student in school and it felt like that like all right let me be good let me get a's some people hate that stuff no nah, i liked it like again it all of this started from me being six years old and loving attention so you telling me i get more attention <laughs> you tell me you're gonna walk me to new york yeah. put me on a stage tell me how to speak to people and everybody's gonna applaud done exactly <laughs> Exactly. So Devin, at that time in your life, I mean, Ned's clearly sounds like an absolute dream come true. And yes. I can imagine the entire experience on that show was pretty surreal and, and really great. Was there ever a time in the intervening years between now and when that show wrapped where you've had a different take on it or a different opinion about it? Or has it always been a, a bright, shiny spot in your nah, career in life? It's a really shiny spot in my life. Like there's some, there's some pain around how ruthless Nickelodeon is with their contracts. Like I have never gotten paid a residual for Ned's ever. What? Really? really? Ever. Because they worked out a deal with AFTRA at the time, some backdoor bullshit deal where they don't pay leads residuals. It was a buyout. And anytime we tried to renegotiate that, Nickelodeon was ruthless. They were they were like, we will literally recast you. Get like, wow. in, and here. we tried to renegotiate. Well, they were notorious it every for that. Year. I remember. They were that. ruthless, yeah. man. Ruthless. Yeah. Like I mean, I always remember I, I didn't get I auditioned for Nickelodeon like uh, every other week of my life, and I don't think I ever worked for them. <laughs> so I never knew there was common knowledge that Nickelodeon was not great. You weren't Dude, like, you yeah, know, you, you weren't like, man. oh, I booked it and now now I got my college fund paid for mm. and a house and my grandkids are gonna No, retire. dude. In between like, none of that. In between second and third season, we tried to renegotiate, or in between first and second, we tried to renegotiate in between second and third. And they were literally like, we'll recast you and put the show out with someone else named Ned. They I was about like, to say, Carlos, Carlos, Carlos Pina, Pina is, is waiting ready, in the wings man. and he's ready and he's coming in. Yo, that is crazy. So, you didn't so that's the only thing that like hurts years later is like, yeah. you sold my face for 15 years twice a day all over the world Ned showed and like I'm never getting money from that that, that hurts is, that is fucked that is really well this fucked. is where this is where the child labor aspect of it starts to rear its head a little bit which is we can make a show for less money because it's with kids right so we can get away with a lower production value cuz the younger audience isn't going to be as discerning as an older audience sure. we're going to use young performers which we can get away with paying them less than an older performer as well they're not going to fight us as much they don't know as much even their parents don't know as much you know the list goes on and on but yet we're still going to monetize that show in perpetuity for you know many 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 years and we're not going to pay those performers anything. Everybody's going into this process of full knowledge of, of what's happening. But then the thing that just is like the extra rub for me a little bit, 
there's no infrastructure to support kids deeper into life, like mentorships or like helping on college applications or any support system. And here's my my real thing is that we're knowingly pulling kids out of the tried and true public ed or just edu U.S. education system. We're pulling them out. So at the age of 13, for four years of your life, at least you are completely removed from the education system doing school on set. And we haven't replaced that support network that's been in, you know built over a long period of time with something else for kids that are doing professional things. And maybe that would have been a benefit if you had a little bit of a support thing in place that could have you know helped you after Ned's was over. I don't that's know. my only point. Yes. Yes. Well, but let's no. hear Devin's take. Hold on, Chris. Yeah, let's let's Devin take, talk but, a little but bit. But also, I just want to throw out one other thing there. The other option, right, is like, you know, you, you <laughs> said it. You, you tried to go back to the negotiating table after season one. And they said, cool, if you want something else, we will replace you. And you're it's ultimately up to you. It is a shrewd, shitty thing to do. Um, obviously on their part and especially to a kid especially to a kid like you who is the face of the franchise now and obviously the show has become very successful for them yep so my guess is is part of me thinks like i would they replace you maybe right. does it ruin their whole thing maybe and does yeah, it but all he's blow working with a child brain he doesn't no. understand that no, no, it's no. so easy to no, psych no, no, but him here, out but he's got his parents he's got agents even, you know that's the thing but even they know yeah yeah like, even they know you, and ultimately you call this bluff because exactly that's horrifying. And ultimately, that's yeah. what it comes to is like, do you call it and you go and and it, that is a decision that I feel like I would say if we took a consensus, it wouldn't be a 50 50 split or 75 25. It, it would be a 99 out of 100 people say, just take the job. Just keep honestly. Going. And I bet if honestly, like if we called their bluff, there's a good chance Nickelodeon would have just canceled the show. Yeah. Like they're shrewd. They don't give a shit, dude. Yeah. Well, here's the thing though. We're talking about maybe an extra few grand an episode and Devin would have been like beside himself happy with that yeah, type of a race. True. It's not it's like you're nothing. Yeah, yeah, you're not saying I want friends money. I want like yeah, a million no, bucks. No, episode. he's talking about a, just no, a couple like extra a dollars so that his mother's time can raise. be compensated. Yeah, yeah, I mean I'm talking thing. about what residuals the, 10 and years residuals, into life. Though, that's that's it, it too. That was what we wanted to negotiate and that's yeah. what they weren't giving. Which to be honest is is incredibly unfair. I don't even know. I'm sure there's ways that they get around it now, but I feel like uh, hopefully there's a lot more protections for, and, you know, for kids because that is a, you're right. Because this is something I want to go back to later in your personal experience, but it feels like when you do a show like yours where you're the face of it, it's a kid show and, and it continues running past its, when it first came out, your fan base continues to grow over time. Like yep. you're going to continually get a new group of fans that are 12 to 16 years old and remain with your fans that are now aging with you. So your fan base doesn't disappear, which is then strange that like they get they they're obviously still making money. They're still gaining a fan base. Your work is still being utilized by yep. that company. And yet there's no compensation for you whatsoever. Yep. That's fucked. Yeah, it's brutal. But they're an anomaly, though, because most of the, the residuals are very commonplace. I of mean, course. just for anybody in listening any that doesn't job. know how the system works. Yeah, in on every job. job. <laughs> on every job. I'm still well, getting paid. I'm still getting paid for We Were Soldiers. I was about to dude. say, I, my guess is right. you, you make a good hundred bucks a year on We Were Soldiers Straight somehow. Straight <laughs> up. And yeah. like every time I get a residual, I kind of get like a little like, you oh, bastards. Yeah. Like you bastards. I'm still getting paid for We Were Soldiers and Ned's I get no money for. That's wild. Can I ask you then, going to your actual experience of it, like you go to those things, you know, you're not getting residuals. When you show back up on set for season two or you're doing stuff, it, it just, it doesn't really, it doesn't have an effect. It's the, like, uh, it's like we tried, what can we do? The experience is still incredible. And that's yeah. those yeah. people in New York, in their towers who are, you know, they're business people and they don't give a shit yeah. about us. Yeah. On set, I'm there with my 
family. That's like the cast and crew. And our show really, like, we had very little drama. We were like very close as a mm. cast and crew. We were truly having too much fun every day. Give us some of the like, what do you think any fan of your show would like love to know about the real experience that maybe you never talked about before? Yeah, well, like our show, our show was insane. We were, it was basically a cartoon. We were making in one 22 minute episode, we were telling two full stories in 11 minutes. It wow. was like a cartoon like that. It's like two episodes in one, these really fast paced narratives. Um, so we're telling two episodes in one episode. It's basically a cartoon in the size of it. Our show was so big and broad and we were just doing insane things every episode. Like I'm running in a human size, like hamster ball through the hallways, you know, like getting hung upside down. There's a monkey running around. There's a weasel running around. Like it was always just the zaniest, craziest stuff that we were doing on the show. And then on top of that, you know, there's a hierarchy on set and if the person at the top is incredible, it's gonna be an incredible experience. So Scott Fellows was amazing. An example of just his shenanigans is like, you go to craft services, you make yourself a plate of something like perfect that you're excited about. You got like a hot dog, you got some stuff. Scott Fellows would walk by you and just smack it out of your hand and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's and so he was like one of the crew with you kids. And yeah. He was hanging out and he yeah. was, and he he did not make this like uh excuse me, Devin, do you know your lines today? <laughs> he was like, Devin, is that your hot dog? Bam. Like, Bam. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was playing with us like, like anyone else. And then of course, if we had work to get yeah, yeah. done and we were being rambunctious kids, he would get us back on track. But like what sticks out actually is this moment. It, it wasn't even about filming. It was, you know, third season, we found out they had pitched Nickelodeon a high school show like our show would have to change after third season our contract was for third season if it was going to go on we would have to leave middle school and make it a high school show which would kind of change the dynamic they pitched it to nickelodeon they didn't accept it so we had our series rap party at the end of the show and it was prom themed and everyone was dressed up looking amazing we were in the the gym of our school set and got to have this prom i was dating my co-star, uh, Moe's, I was dating her at the time. We got together at the end of the last season, like our characters did. It was perfection, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just... just so you, the, the, and, the fictional narrative came to life. It yeah. really did. Like, best friends for years, and then they fall in love. Same thing happened uh, on Even Stevens with Shia and Margo. Right. They, yeah. At the very end, yeah. I mean, it's such a natural thing to happen. But not for long, because she was my girlfriend, guys. Remember? <laughs> I, Chris, we know. <laughs> just just, just in case guess, anybody forgot. I know you guys keep forgetting. I know that. You know, that was some middle school stuff. Her and I, I were high school. <laughs> I, I think he might have broken up with her during our movie, or or I was still friends with her. I have this vague recollection of her saying, he said he felt like he was drowning in a pool of blackness. <laughs> That's how he ended it. <laughs> That's like somewhere weird in my memory. Um, but yeah, so we're at this prom and I just have this memory of walking through the dark set when no one was in it, knowing it was the last time I was going to walk through that set and kind of like having like tears in my eyes and just kind of this bittersweet, beautiful, nostalgic moment of like, walking through the, what I knew was like the end of a really incredible chapter of my life. Mm -hmm. And like actually had this moment to like walk around and go like, thank you, this, this has been beautiful, you know?
Wow. You sound like a smart kid, Devin. You, you sound like uh, like you had the right head on your shoulders, You know, being able to appreciate those moments and being self-aware enough to go, this was great. And yeah, good for yeah, you. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was pretty aware, but then here's what happened. <laughs> yeah. uh, to contradict your point. So simultaneously, I was thinking like I was okay with the show ending. I was ready to to see what was next. So in my head, I had just had the lead role on my own show that got great ratings and critics enjoyed. So from here on out, it's nothing but up, guys. Yeah. Easy I'm only street. Going up. Easy, Easy street, street, man. I'm yeah. walking into offices with finger guns and they're handing <laughs> yeah. me contracts and I'm, I'm on the track to my Oscar. Right. Like, yeah. like that's, that's the part of my awareness that hadn't really learned the industry yet because I booked things so fast and, you know, had that beginner's luck or whatever. Cause yeah, that's not what, what happened. <laughs> yeah. So walk us through then walk us through your life as a, as an actor since then, where you, you know, like for me, I had those thoughts, but I was never the lead of a TV show. They're like, they're like you can do an episode, Chris, like every couple of years, that's it. You know? So like, you know, but I still had, you know, you, you garner the ambitions as you become an adult of an adult. And so you yep. start having, and, and those things hit you for the first time, probably right around that age, around 16, 17 years old, you start thinking about what, what perhaps you want to start aiming for. Cause up until that point, you're just, you are not really aiming for much in particular. You're just, you're just there for whatever anybody to hire you for. I had to learn how to act after Ned's. I had to learn how to act for real. I thought it was going to go easy for me. It didn't after enough auditions realizing like, whoa. First of all, the, like the competition serious. Some of these roles are really difficult and I don't know how to play them. And like, I'm not getting the kind of offers or like the immediate heat that I thought was going to come after the show ended. I realized like, oh, I got to go like learn how to act for real. So I got in with a coach named Michael Wilson and like, oh yeah, I, I remember I, that guy. Oh, I love him. And I, I remember like my first uh, class with him both privately and then the first class I audited of his like group class, I remember feeling so inadequate as an actor and knowing like, cool, this is where I need to study for a while. I knew I needed to be better to get the roles that I wanted to get. Cause up until that point I was slick. I was slick, man. This is what, this is what yeah, one of the, the things finger pointing. Yeah. This is yeah. one of the things Michael Wilson told me was like, Hey man, like, most people are going to buy what you're doing. Like most people are going to buy this and enjoy this, but I know you're not like filling this out under the surface. I know you're not like really, you know, in it. And he was right. He was right. I, I loved what I did on Ned's, but that wasn't real acting. That that's what doesn't help you in a room that I didn't understand is, is you going into a great movie audition after a Nickelodeon show. Nowadays it would be different because of social media and stuff. But it didn't help me in the rooms because they go, yeah, you're a Nickelodeon actor or you're a Disney Channel mm -hmm. actor. Like, that doesn't mean you can play this movie role. Like, you do that kid show acting that's really big and broad. And it's the danger of childhood success for people. Specifically to acting, Devin, or in general? In acting. When that's all, like, if I didn't hit that those kind of walls and needing to go, all right, how can I take responsibility for what's not happening here? Like I I'm not booking now. Like, well, let me go get really good. Like now that's something I can do. If Ned's went on 
for another series. And I just kept being validated like that until I was 18. Like there's a reason a lot of successful child actors become crazy people. Like there's a reason for it because it's not normal to be, to be the lead on a show, the way people talk to you on that show. Yes. Is also cause I'm a nice person, but it's also like, I'm not replaceable on the show. Anyone else is any crew member is if you know, like there's like this, there's, there's this way you're getting talked to as a 13 year old kid with such value. You're being talked to by adults. Like you have such value because you're, you do, you're their job. And that, that's a weird, you're like a little emperor. Yes. You're like a little emperor. (laughs) And hopefully you have some parents at the time who keep you grounded. Hopefully you have parents who don't fuel that little emperor, but there are plenty of parents. We all know them. There are plenty of child actor parents who make the kid believe they really are that valuable and not just like, Hey, this is an incredible thing. Like this is an incredible lucky thing that you get to do. Well, yeah, because I think what you're getting at here is the shock that comes later when all of the when the rug gets pulled out from under you, you're no longer on the set. Nobody's giving you that value. You're looking at the world and going, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, that's not how you're supposed to interact with me. Well, the real life, the real life of an actor, because the thing is, I, I think when you sign up as a former kid actor to act, there is obviously a different way you're treated, you know, and because, you know, you do have to literally handle kids with kid gloves. But only when you're on the TV show. That's the thing. Being on a series regular on a television show is not the life of an actor. And you're back to reality and you're back to like, wait, what do you mean? Nobody's going to massage my feet just because I woke (laughs) up this morning. You see all the success as a kid and then you don't realize that you're signing up for the life of an actor, which is one that is a, it's a roller coaster ride with really high highs and really low lows. But it's really difficult when you are uh, 16 years old, 15 years old, you know, and even 21 and 22 and, you know, and trying to get your bearings after you've had this built-in experience yeah and this this built-in success that like it let me know that i could do this not from a place of fantasy but from a place of reality like it was like oh no my career is going to take off because i've already done it like i've already felt it i've already tasted it and so it's crazy man so I, i i had to go learn how to act like I, I always would do my best to go, what's out of my control? What's in my control? All right, well, uh, so much of this is out of my control. I can at least go get good. So I studied for a long time and like kept getting close to things. I kept booking over the years, but nothing that broke through like Ned's. And it took a long time kind of for that childhood, I'm going to say dream to die. Like, it's not to say I'm not still going to act for the rest of my life because I am. But but the childhood part of it or the childhood part of me that had success and was kind of expecting it to continue had to die. And it took till I was 25 for it really to break down. It was like I, I still always made money as an actor. Like, up until 25, I started to book less and less and jobs started to pay less and less. So like, you know, my savings would go down, but then they'd go up and then my savings would go down and then they'd go up. And eventually at 25, it went all the way down and I ran out of money entirely. And it was like, oh my God, I need to get a job yesterday. Uh, Holy shit. And like that process that began four years ago for me, It really needed to happen. Now I feel more equipped to get success again as an actor or just like be patient with my life as an actor because finally like this kind of this dream post Neds of like 
it's all going to work out for me. It died. It died. And and some part of me died too. So (laughs) thanks for the interview, guys. I'm going to go drink. (laughs) I just want to break down easy because I get it. I mean, look, that's what I was referring to, which is the realistic expectations of what an actual actor's life is are totally different to the reality of it. Yes. And and you see this with former kid actors when they see success at a young age or even don't, you know, uh, and they've just been acting since they were young. And then you're suddenly struck in a completely different environment and you find your expectations meeting reality are really harsh and it sucks. And so it on one way, it is really nice to hear that you adjusted your perspective in life in order to not go insane, you know, but there, but that adjustment is a roller coaster and it is rough. And so to to, to maybe say it another way is an adult going into the acting industry. You can make the conscious decision to say, I'm signing up to be an artist. And that carries a lot of different things with it. There's a, there's a lifestyle associated with being an artist, the types of sacrifices that you make, the type of life that you're willing to lead in order to pursue your art. And it can, it's very noble. And that goes across various mediums. As a child, you're not necessarily signing up for the life of the artist. You're signing up for the life of the working actor, yes. the fun, the staying at Oakwood Apartments, the yes. doing pilot season. And then you find yourself at a certain point living the life of an artist and you go, Whoa, whoa, what? Yeah, Hold wait, on a second. That's, that's not, not what, what I, I started this for. Yeah. I did not start this to suffer like this and yeah. doubt my own value as a being based yeah. on these fucking people in rooms who won't hire me. <laughs> yeah. So, so walk is this. So you're 25 and then for the first time you're like, okay, I'm out of money. I got to go get a real job and to continue supporting this endeavor. The good thing that all of us need to go through after coming out of childhood acting is when you're a child actor, your value is is just so intertwined with your acting success. Your value as a as a being, like <laughs> you know, life starts to open up when you're succeeding as a kid actor, and mom's happy, and money's coming in, and like you know, like and it feels good. You're like, oh my god, I I just went and smiled in that room, and now everyone's telling me I'm incredible. This is amazing. <laughs> And you don't have much else going for you because you're a fucking kid. You're not not cool. You're not valuable. You're a kid. You're useless. So you build your value on this success. And plenty of actors, like, if you have your value as an actor rooted in your success as an actor, you're going to suffer so much. And, like, what needed to happen in my 20s was a lot of struggle that then now I know my value beyond acting. I know my value as a person in the world who can survive hard situations. I know my value like in my character as how I've shown up to situations that were difficult, like running out of money and going like, oh God, I need to get jobs now. So I, my girlfriend at the time had a job at uh, the Equinox front desk in West Hollywood. So I went and started working at the gym front desk. One of my shifts started at 4 30 a.m like is a gnarly shift and then two of my friends in venice here in california they have uh, a shop they have a a retail the most venice shop you've ever seen like (laughs) like just perfectly curated boutique expensive scarves that are gorgeous and handmade in the shop and like curated children's books like it just this immaculate magical place and they were hiring at the time so i actually started working for my friends there Um, And yeah, I had those two jobs and was doing a play in LA at the time. And like, that was my life for like nine, and my parents were getting divorced. So it was nine months of just like 
no money, working two jobs for the first time in my life, doing this play, uh, my parents, my family falling apart and just, just suffering pretty much. Suffering for a <laughs> what, while. What what was the what was the ego check like doing that first shift at Equinox? And were, so, just from my own experience, I remember the first job that I had to do outside of acting. I was so worried of being recognized from the Disney Channel. Yes. And like this, it was all in my head. But this like this level of embarrassment of yes. the failure of being perceived by the world as a failure. What what was your experience like with that? First Such thing? a necessary thing to face. Like, oh, totally. Like, like yeah. that. totally agree. run from that, you're going to run for forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I totally yeah. agree. And it's going to lead you right to the back of a cop car with a mug. Because <laughs> now I feel like internet. I can do, now I feel like I can do anything. <laughs> After going through that experience and getting over that fear, it's, it's like I could work at, work at a car wash or serve hot dogs off of a cart and like sleep on a couch. It doesn't Same. matter. What I learned is I could enjoy and be successful at anything I set out to do that wasn't acting. I like learned like, oh, I could do, like, this isn't so bad. Like, I, I'm social, I can work hard, I like working. Like, I, okay, like this isn't so bad, but that that fear was so real for so long. Necessity forces change, right? Like necessity is what forces my growth. So I had to run out of money to face that fear. Because, yeah, I, that was built in for sure. Like, what happened when people recognized right. me? For people listening, it could sound like such a trite, stupid thing, right? Like, oh, just get yeah. over yourself and all this stuff, which is true. It's I'm not true. not negating yeah, exactly. that. Yeah. But the emotional process of the child going through that being in, you're kind of innocent in this whole equation, well, which is it, it has, you didn't ask for all this mental crap to get thrown into your head to have to check your ego and go through that because the emotional side of it is still real. So it's full acknowledgement of like, yeah, get over yourself, it, dude, and get with real life and go through it. But it, still going through the process as a young person. It's not comfortable. Yeah. No, yeah, it's not comfortable. And I mean, you have to contend with measuring up against an amount of experience that people usually do not have. You know, it's like, that's, I mean, it, it's, it's like if I could call it anything, I'm like, it's living the dream before you even knew you had it. You know, it's like, because that's what happens is you, so you yeah, it's like, so you, you just don't know, right? You don't know you had that dream and then you have it and you go, oh yeah, this feels right. This is good. It's validated by it, it, that you're actually working and yep. people are saying it's working. So you have no reason other than to say, this is what I'd like for my life to be like, you know, and, and very, a very small amount of actors ever see that consistently. Ever. You know, a, a, ever, literally, you know, yeah. and I mean, there's a reason why they say like 99% of SAG does not make a living at acting, yeah. you know, and you will hear stories all the time. Everybody tells a story. And it's always a good story. Like, did you know John Hamm was going to quit acting right before Mad Men? You right. know, it's like, did you know Ed Norton was like literally about to become a history school teacher before he booked Primal Fear? It's like you, you always hear these stories that make it sound like. I don't know, like, oh, that's just the journey. Stick with it long enough and it's it's going to go or it's not as rough as it actually is. You if know? you're not looking over the edge of quitting, then you don't care about it enough. <laughs> yeah, then you're not doing yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, then you're already- If, if you're yeah, not debating you're quitting, yeah. then, then go away because you don't care enough because <laughs> the reason you debate quitting is because it hurts so much to not have it. Yeah. Like you want it. I, we all want, I, I would prefer to not be talking to you guys and I would prefer to be on a set right now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> at all times, exactly. at all times, I would prefer yeah. to be on a set and not having it and yeah. knowing that it's possible, but like 
so hard to make happen, it hurts, man. There is an emotional toll to believing and working towards a dream that that isn't in your hands. I appreciate now hearing you and this conversation, the level of vulnerability and humility, humility it takes to not only face these things, I think, in your life, but to be able to share about them openly and talk about them openly. Yeah. Because I, I really do think it is something that causes an insane amount of shame in, in people. And and it's been with me, like, you know, I've, I've like, I've scratched and clawed and begged and borrowed and stolen my way through being an actor my whole life. I think that's just a, a reality that's not very open about being an actor. And I think is, is even harder to be open about when you are someone like you, who you on social media, you have a huge social media following, yeah. you know? So, so it, it is, it is a weird thing when you're like, oh, it's not like you did something and then, you know, you don't have a fan base that's engaged with you that you meant a lot. It, it's weird because that only really ever comes a part of your life as a success, as that, as being on the show, you know? And so here you are where you're like, oh, Ned's doesn't pay me residuals and I got to go through the normal life of an actor and find other ways to support myself financially as I continue on the endeavor. And then here's a large fan base. that's like, you're still Ned. You're still here. You're still the guy. You're still, you know, it's like, did you ever go through anything where you were sort of acting out in rebellion to all this or that you were like, I'm going to burn it down or this is... Ned stayed in this incredible level of success where like it got great ratings and I have a fan base for a decade. But I, my personal name wasn't so well known that like I couldn't be anonymous as a teenager. And I'm grateful for that. Uh, there were times where I wasn't. There were times where I'm like, damn, I wish people knew who I was. Like they knew who my contemporaries are. But it allowed me to like make some mistakes as a teenager that never got found out about. Like I got a DUI when I was 19 and no one knew about it. It never oh, wow. saw the light of day. That's um, great. It's great. Yeah. That's amazing. Did that great. ever, can I ask you, like you go through that, does that haunt you that like when you're 20 and 21, 22, is it like, are you waiting for the shoe to drop or is that still? No, no, no. no, no? I, I, I knew it wouldn't be out there and now I'll talk about it. Like it's fine. It was 10 years ago. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it taught me like that was normal. That wasn't rebellion from acting. That was normal teenage rebellion. That was normal. Like just exploring the boundaries of life as a teenager and like yeah. drinking and driving. Cause you live in LA, you need to drive. And, uh, if you want to drink, you're going to drive. Um, so yeah. like, I just got it wrong one night and it was like, Oh, this taught me a lot. Cool. I had my license suspended for a year. I had my mom had to take me to auditions again at night. No way, dude. Yeah. No way. Yeah. I had to get auditions and be like, Mom, do you remember? <laughs> mom. Hey, Mom. Mom in my Murphy bed. Wake up. I got an audition. <laughs> Can you please? Can you please drive me? Exactly. Well, that's Wow, that's strange. I didn't know. It was know. a humbling time in my life. Yeah. And so do you, so do, do you mind me though, like, when you actually, when you get arrested and you have to go, is how present is that in that experience for you that like, oh man, like I was on a kid's show or anything. And like, is that there? Are you sitting there? Like we interviewed an actor who got arrested at like 16 and he's on a big show, but it was an adult show. And all, and he said he gave them the police a fake name because he was like, please, for the love of God. And that's actually why he got in trouble is he got in trouble because he gave, he gave them a them fake a name. Fake that's name. that's like the real fine he got and stuff was not being honest with them. And so, you know, I don't know if that what, I mean, what your whole experience I mean, is like. it was present, but the the main kind of the main feeling to deal with was just like, 
whoa, like this is a big problem. Like I'm in jail right now and this is going to be expensive and I don't know how I'm getting out. I don't have a look like trying to get through the phone system in jail was insane. Like, so yes, there was the, the kind of like fame or celebrity part of it, but ultimately it was just like, this is a massive problem altogether. And I don't know. Yeah. There's a dude until- staring at me for my bologna sandwich. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> well, right? I, I was so- just thinking there could be a dude chewing really loudly in jail and you can't get away from him. <laughs> and episode's done. That was perfect. <laughs> Great callback. No, no, so I'm in so I'm in the 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 group tank. And it's kind of like a there's like a breakfast club situation happening, to be honest, with all these dudes with DUIs and everyone's still kind of drunk because it's early like into (laughs) us getting arrested so it starts off kind of breakfast clubby everyone's like sharing their stories and jokes and like some people are gnarlier than others but ultimately it's jail they're not like it's the they're not messing with people like everyone's just dealing with their own holy shit i'm in jail right now and this one guy did look at me and listen (laughs) i got a young face man and even younger at 19 i looked about 12. this this one guy looks at me and he goes and look at this guy you shouldn't even be in here. You should be on some show with with Miley Cyrus. And I was like, and I was like, if you only knew, my dude. <laughs> That's so funny. That guy, that guy later on did see you on TV. Was like, oh, I feel weird today. He just like, <laughs> it's a weird Wednesday. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> just something's up. I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know how I feel about this. That is so funny. Is that Ned? Yeah, he literally That's... said it, which is so funny, man. That is so funny. I wanted to ask you too, then, like, just in the vein of, in the vein of that, like, you, you know, w- with the sort of attention that you will be, it seems like that you're tied to from your childhood. And like, when I go to Google search you before this, I'm sitting there finding articles of like, like there's like a Buzzfeed article. It's like, remember Ned? He's hot now, you know. And, yeah. like, and these, and then there's other stuff of like, oh, do you do you remember his? Uh, guess which two co-stars dated each other in real life? Off yeah. Of Ned, you know, and and I'm realizing like, you know, this thing a decade later, all of this life experience later, this whole other life you've lived since, um, and that still comes up. And I always wonder like, how does that come into your life? Do you are you like one day does somebody send you this link or do you all of a sudden does your mom say I google you every sunday and like look what I found like what happens how does this if, if they don't reach out to me for like a part of the interview then I don't know it exists until someone sends it to me and yes usually it's my mom she's got a google alert on my name <laughs> she'll she like really? she'll like forward me hey when'd you do this or did you see this and what what does it feel like when you I've never, you know, part of why we wanted to do this is I was like, no one's ever going to ask me or AJ about our time as a kid actor. And a lot of people we know, you know, those things, you sort of remember the projects, but you don't really talk about the person's experience growing up. And so, you know, for you, how does that, how do you experience that now? You know, like like when you get it, is it something that's not a big deal or? or Yeah, because Ned's was such a good experience in my life and like such a good show and such a fun time making it like it doesn't hurt that people bring it up. Like I understand in my life as a fucking person, I've transcended Ned's myself, but I understand to people out there looking at me as a public person, Ned's is still the biggest thing that they know. So the fact that it's still the thing that's making people talk or pay attention to me, 
I'm not mad at it. I'm going to use it to funnel people into my life now and be like, Hey, check out my music. You like that? Um, pointing, and I'm not using ums. (laughs) (laughs) Press training. They told you no ums, but a lot of finger guns. Um, they said, go for, when in doubt, go for finger guns. Yeah. (laughs) So I, I, it's become something that I, I embrace. It's kind of a weird thing to Ned, you know, you'll book whatever. If I booked a serial killer, I would have played a serial killer, but I happened to book Ned, who was like this, this every man, this underdog who truly wanted to help everyone in the school. Like anyone had a problem. He was like, I might not have the answer, but I'm going to try and figure it out with you. Even like in the show, it's like even the bully, Ned was down to help when the bully needed help. Ned helped everybody. And the heart of our show was reminding kids like, hey, I know this time feels confusing and scary for you, um, but we're all going through it. And here's some ways you can maybe get through it better. And this just just the crazy thing that is how my life has gone as I've gotten older is like, that's how I feel about interacting with people on social media. That's how I feel about talking to college kids who know Ned's is like, cool. Well, let me talk to you authentically and really about what life is like, what my experience has taught me and like the parts of our lives that we feel alone in. Let me talk about it with you and remind you like, yeah, I know you feel alone, but like we're all going through it and there's ways to get through it better. So like it's it's been cool, man. It's been this weird cycle of like growing up to be like Ned. It's weird, man. Because that is the interesting thing about doing work as a kid actor and specifically kid content as kid actors, you become a really important part of a lot of people's lives yes. you know? and you can really yes. have a profound effect on people. And that is why you will, you will remain having this big fan base, you know, a decade and probably two or three decades after you've done this thing, because it is a part of people's childhood yes. and it shapes them. And so it's amazing that you've carried that into your adulthood and into your relationship with your fans as it's, as your, as time has gone by. Yeah. Well, well, Ned's like Ned's wasn't just entertainment. It truly was looking through the fourth wall. Like it wasn't just funny and it was funny, but like it was truly looking at those kids and saying like, let, let me help you. Like, here's a hand, I'm your friend. And so when people are fans of it, like, yes, it was such a big part of their childhood. And there's such love that I get from these people. And they all kind of put me in this position of Ned anyways. They all half jokingly, but I know they're serious, are like asking for tips for college and adulthood. And I know they kind of say it as That's a joke. That's awesome. But but they're not joking. They're really mm-hmm. like, no, I wish I wish you had I wish you could come to life and tell yeah. me the truth. So great. Yeah, that's really amazing. Kids content is amazing for that reason. The level of impact that it has. We all had that same experience watching stuff as young people. For you, it was yep, even, even Stevens, Stevens and yeah. watching Shia and that. And then and then also just young people as audience members are incredible too. Whether it's whether it's content made specifically for them or they're watching Ace Ventura or they're watching Austin Powers or something like that. I'm sure you, you know, your experience of those films is so much better than a 35-year-old's experience of watching right. those movies. There was two other things I wanted to bring up, but um, before we get to our, our last couple questions, I'd like to ask every guest. One is, so I know you through my brother, Sean, yes. because you and Sean did a movie together uh, called Sundown. Yes. And it's a, and I think it is a really funny movie. I think it's a, it's a great movie. It is. Yeah, it's you such guys a are movie. Both excellent. It, it. it was yeah, on Netflix. Really I know for a minute, I'm not yeah. sure if it's still there. People can find it there, but it's so funny and you're so great in it. My brother's great in it and Camila Bell and Sarah Paxton are in it. And so there's a really great cast and you guys bring this really, f- what would be like this dumb, predictable, 
comedy you guys really elevate it and it's and it and it is really good it's like super surprising i think the writing and directing is like really great uh and you know and in a world in the most ideal world it's a movie that got a lot more attention than it did a couple years back when it came out but i bring it up too because one you're great in it and two i got to see a lot of my so my brother goes to film this movie where it's going to be in mexico it's supposed to be for like four weeks or something in like a cool little part of mexico in puerto vallarta and he calls me three weeks in he's like i don't think i'm going to be here a month i think i'm going to be here maybe closer to like six months I was like, what? <laughs> he's like i don't know maybe like two or three months we'll yeah, see yeah. and he he goes and lives a life that i i then came down and visited you guys and got to see this life that you guys got to live out on the beach hanging out with camila bell and all these like mexican rock stars that are out there in puerto Vallarta, living in like private villas essentially hanging out Get, getting to go jet skis you guys did all this wild awesome stuff and lived this in- incredible life filming this dope movie out there and i just want you to give a little bit of the highlights just a little because it's i i can't imagine anyone's ever heard you know you're like weird wild mexican adventure filming a movie it was incredible we got <laughs> sean and i knew each other already we had already done a movie oh, together yeah. and we're friends yeah and then we found what, out was that we- the one you guys did in south africa no, 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 that's no. A different, that was a different oh. one. Yeah, they did a movie um, years and years and years before. Yeah, yeah we had done okay. a movie like years before and knew each other and were friends and found out we booked this movie that was going to be shooting in Mexico where we're playing best friends and it's like a raunchy, predictable high school, you know, spring break comedy. And uh, and not only that, this is rare. The director flew us down to Mexico three weeks before principal photography started to do rehearsals rehearsals at that time was just like us talking about the script for maybe a couple hours a day during the week. And the rest of the time, Sean and I were in Mexico, not filming <laughs> a movie yet, which was just incredible. Just man. incredible. Yeah. Um, it was the longest paid vacation I've ever heard it, any it, actor ever go through. Really <laughs> like, we were supposed to be down there for two months. We ended up being down there for three months in Mexico. I still remember the first day Sean and I got down there. We were in the pool with tequila in our hands, the checks had already gone through, like we were already paid. And Sean and I are sitting there in Mexico in this pool, starting a three week process before we even filmed the movie. And I just remember cheersing him and being like, what is happening, bro? Yeah. Like, <laughs> what like, just, happened to, what just happened to our lives? We just went from an audition room where you're like, I don't know, I've been in a thousand of these, who knows? And Sean yeah. had been working at the bar. Like Sean had been hustling as a bar back. I know. Like, and he was, and he was considering not acting any, he was like really legit. He was like, I'm just going to get into computers. It's not working out. And yeah. I don't know how long I could be a bartender trying to be an actor. And, and then, then next, all of a sudden, the Sean following and I are week drinking is in tequila with, you know, X amount of dollars in our bank account. With like a bunch things. of producers that that knew all their best friends owned restaurants and clubs. Yes. And like, and like you had your, you guys, your buddy Andy, who was super cool, who was like your caretaker, who was like, hey, you guys want to go parasailing? Cool. Done. Tomorrow morning. Booked. Hey, you guys want to go jet skiing? Cool. Done. You guys want to hang with, out with dolphins? There's one in your bathtub in your hotel room. <laughs> you guys can ride it all night long. Like Dude, you, you guys exactly. just had whatever you we had the weirdest experience we we that city was opened up to us because of the producers and who they knew like we just got the key to a city basically it was the strangest best experience of our lives and uh anytime any of us uh, either of us felt fear about it our motto was 
I'm not dying in Mexico. So, so we would just, <laughs> we would just try anything. Like, oh, you want us to eat this raw fish? Sounds awesome, man. We're gonna go on jet skis uh, to an island. We're gonna ride a jet ski for an hour to an island. Sure, let's do it. Yeah, um, sure, whatever. Like, whatever. Island we're you in. want us to take us drunk zip lining? Let's go. So That's we just awesome. we just got like the city opened up to us. We were friends with all the club owners, so we got taken to clubs in mexico at spring break it was just phenomenal it's so wild phenomenal. it's well, awesome that, that, it's those experiences why you stick with it too right those <laughs> yes. things where you go this is why i'm willing to endure the yes. times in between because never it, it, it's a unique life you will never have that in any other way in life it is it's completely special to this absolute job Absolutely. And yeah, it's a, it's a wild swing from, you know, my brother bartending to, yeah, to literally like being at the, a rooftop club in like a weird foam party. And he'd be like, I don't know. Yeah. There was like 16 pairs of hands touching me all night long. What is going on? To, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, and then to coming back and being like, you know, a casting assistant being like, um, can you just do it a little less angry? And like, <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's just like right back to this life. Yeah. Yep. And, and yeah. then there was a buildup with like, I mean, filming that movie was really special, really special experience. There was actually a funny little story of we, there's a chase scene in that movie where Sean and I are naked in this car for, for the chase. Oh, yeah. And, and we filmed that chase scene for three weeks. Like that chasing was like a massive part of the film. So we're naked while making that chase scene. We're all around this city. Ned's Declassified is massive in Mexico. Really? I'm, I'm, I'm naked with dicks drawn over my face. And, and we're all around the city for three weeks doing this scene. And I just remember, listen, I'll take photos with anybody. But there was a certain point where like, 15 year old Mexican girls were like asking for photos of me while like my dick is in a sock and there's dicks drawn on my face. <laughs> and I was just like, find me at another point during the filming of this movie. Yeah, like, just go come away. Back next just week. come back this next time. Happen. This is not it. This is not it. Um, that's it. That's and they're like, they're like, oh, Ned, Ned, where do we go to college? And you're like, don't ask me this. I'm right. like, look, look at me. Please go away. Um, that's amazing. Yeah, that shit cracked me up. But yeah, so wow. that movie was an incredible experience. And then in typical acting fashion, like that movie, we I had a lot of hope for that it could be released and actually like do something, have people see it and see me as an actor a little differently. Cause like, I felt like my work was really good in it. It's this cool spring break comedy. It's it raunchy, is, yeah. whatever. Four years after filming it, we, f they finally finish it and get distribution and we go back to Mexico to premiere it and also just have an insane time. Like, you know, yeah. Sean and I like sky dove in Puerto Vallarta, like into an interview, like, literally, like, yeah. like yeah. literally they planned a three city premiere and press tour in Mexico of different cities and different activities and drinks and parties and uh life is life is gnarly man the two two days in to that 12 day trip that was like work and fun and celebrating this movie that we did is when i got the call that my parents were going to get divorced oh no oh, two yeah. days into that trip dude and it was like i can't leave and not only that i have to smile and have a really good time as a part of my job like like part Aye. of it is me being the lead of the movie and like having fun at all these clubs and doing these interviews. So I was living like my best life and the most painful part of my life at the same time. Um, and then the added hit of the movie, just, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. I saw it and was like, when, when I saw it at the premiere, I was like, 
I, I, I got emotional. I was like, man, I've been working for this for a long time. And like, I'm up on the big screen and I feel really good about it. And the movie's funny and there's DJs in it and the music's cool. And Camila Bell. Yeah. Steve Ioki's in it. And you guys had like these, yeah. And Camila Bell and Sarah Paxton are brilliant actors that are in it. And, and I'm like wanting it and wanting it. And, uh, and like the movie doesn't go anywhere. And like, that's part of what happens here is like, and it doesn't take away from the experience. The experience yeah. making it was incredible. The experience premiering it was incredible. We got to go dance on stage with Steve Aoki at a, a stadium, a 60,000 football stadium in Mexico City. And oh, we got yeah. invited on stage to just like party with him. It was absurd. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Man. I mean, look, the truth is like at that point, you know, I mean, because I because I relate to that, you know, I, I've done a, a, more independent movies than I care to actually admit. And a few of them, I you know, I watch and I go, oh, man, I really hope this finds a nice audience, a nice avenue in distribution and where it gets shared with the world and, you know, and you put a lot of your heart and soul into these things. And then, you know, it's like, I told you, I was on my buddy Josh Peck's uh, podcast and he was like, do people ask you if you're still acting sometimes? I'm like, yeah, it's the worst. He goes, yeah. And then you got to tell him like, yeah, this movie last year, it's on iTunes. <laughs> He's like, I was like, that's a, that's the great example. Like, yeah, you know, you would, people don't even realize, like, you know, you can be working a ton as an actor and these independent movies can just go straight into iTunes and, you know, and, and, uh, and those hopes, those hopes for them to be shared at, at large get squashed more often than not. Uh, and, and sometimes really undeservedly so, because you're right, Sundown's, Sundown is a really funny movie and it's great. But at the same time, I have never been able to go in front of a 60,000 person audience to promote uh, a little independent movie with Steve Aoki. Exactly. So like, you know, just yeah, exactly. take the win where you get a, it. Yeah. yeah, it was a weird, yeah. exact, that's kind of it. Yeah. I had to, you kind of have to learn to like take what the wins are and the the successes that are out of your control, like you got to learn to like it, take that hit and just be like, all right. Yeah. Cool. Well, and, and much like your approach to the business early on, you talked about as a teenager, Devin, which is what's in my control, what's out of my control. I can go back to acting class. I can improve myself in certain ways, but I can't control which things I'm going to book and what I'm not. And the same thing is true of you know what, what happens with the movie after you finish your job exactly. on set. Exactly. Yeah. I have no say over the distribution. Yeah. And so, it's like a lot of things in life too. You have to appreciate the small wins as they come because they're not always there. And and it sounds like you and Sean made the most of your time. Yeah, for sure. Like, yeah. like that you made ex- the most of a lifetime. That experience. Yeah. That experience changed both of our lives. Like, it did. Yeah. Like we lived an absurdly good life. I know. Sean lives. after that was like, I am never quitting acting. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that is the life of an actor. You yep. know? <laughs> it's like, you know, it really does. It does swing. So I have one, one more thing that I wanted to touch on a bit uh, that I don't know much about that I asked you about before we were going to talk here. And, and that was, I told you, you know, I know that at one point you had an agent that you were with for a long time that has since, and I had, I probably should have looked more into this story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I figured I'd let you let you take it take it over. But there was an agent you were with as a kid that I think has since been um, at least fired from his job. I don't know if he got actually arrested, but he had been accused of, um, I believe, molesting young actors that he represented. Yep. And and that was not your story, nope. but it was somebody you worked with. And I just wanted to sort of delve into that a little bit yeah because this is a part of the industry especially now with all these crazy absurd pedophile ring conspiracy theories like people ask me online all the time like are you a pedophile and or were you touched as a boy 
Um, really? All the time. It's crazy. But uh, people do ask, and and it is a real part of the industry. I mean, Corey Feldman, you know, talks about it. Like this shit happens to people. Um, luckily, I had a mother who's my mother, who people are afraid of, um, which is great. She also had me be pretty aware, so I always like I never really attracted someone who's going to want to take advantage of a kid. Because yeah. I was pretty self-aware. But yeah, man. So that that story came out. I knew one of the people who broke the first part of the story. I knew oh, the wow. actor. And I knew my agent. And um, what's, what's fucked is like, it wasn't unknown. That's what's, what I heard. What's messed mm. up is like, when it broke, it was like, yep, that makes sense. Like, none of us knew the specific details, but like, yeah, man, he had a reputation for being just a little too familiar, a little too pushy with with young boy actors, man. Yeah, that's the I mean, that has been the cleansing thing with all of the entertainment industry is there's a lot of stories that weren't known. But for the most part, the big ones, the Harvey Weinsteins, the Kevin Spacey's, you know, the, these things were definitely known <laughs> conversations like, you know, and there weren't a lot of details that float around, but there was just a general passed around amount of knowledge yep. you know? and and it was not because I remember that was the only thing I heard about about that agent is I'd never heard a story about it. I didn't know anything about that agent all I knew is that when someone told me oh did you hear about this agent that you know all these former kid actors are accusing him of of you know molesting them um and I was like no I've never heard of this and immediately it was told was like yeah people kind of knew this yeah. for a while and that's where and it's like oh you know and that's been the nice thing with the cleanse you know really yeah. and where social media has played a very powerful tool in this is being able to bring those those gossipy known things to a forefront where things are forced to change well, yeah, but with finally draw a boundary on that and finally say yeah. like yeah we all kind of knew but like there's nothing any of us are going to do like yeah. were you were you peripherally aware like when you heard the story as a kid could you think back to like oh yeah oh my god that's what was going on yeah so do, do you yeah. mind me asking like cuz he was your actual agent or was he just an agent at the agency you were he with he was my agent and he was not mm. my agent for my entire career like i, I had yeah. been with him for a few years at that point but i had known him before he was my agent cuz he was a multiple friends of mine's agent and he mm. never crossed boundaries with me. But again, like I was also aware, like I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't go over to his house by myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's just weird. Just that's you know, weird like anyway. yeah. even yeah. a no, regular no, but, person. No, but yeah. you get it. You get. I mean, it is for it sure. Is, but I mean, you know, energetically, worth, like yeah. And there's something worth commenting it, on that you would know that from some passing comment too. That someone obviously right. like makes you aware. You know, and other former kid actors and kid actors at the time were saying, yo, you know, nobody's saying outright anything in particular, just saying like, hey, right. that guy's a little creepy. You right. know, like, yeah. right. just watch out. You know? and, that, and, that, and have you and your mom talked about it since it came out? Well, when I signed with him, I, like I was already, I think, like 19 at that point, mm -hmm. so, oh, like okay. 19, 20. So my mom was just like less involved. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but like, that's the thing is like when it came out, it was like, yeah. Well, yeah. that makes sense. We didn't we didn't know the specifics of these stories, but we kind of knew the the energy of it. So, yeah. yep, all right. And you knew someone that was a I'm victim of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I saw. That's what's crazy. I saw the first post on Facebook before it was public. Wow. The first person to break that story wrote a Facebook post, and I was friends with him. And I saw it and was like, "Oh my god, no!" So how 
Wow. How does that go? If that's a friend of yours, is there like, was that, that was obviously never part of, of a set that you were on or anything Yeah, no, like no, no, that. just someone I knew. Yeah, just someone you knew and stuff. And like, you know, for, for you then, I mean, I got, you know, I, I brought this story up to you because one time Sean, my brother calls me and says, and he's the one who told me this whole story. And he says, dude, I don't know what to do because I know this guy was Devin's agent and I'm scared that Devin got touched. And I, I don't know what to love, say. And I, dude, I love I Sean. Well, I love Sean so much. I love so, that he was afraid to ask me if I he was because you don't know. Agent. Like, and he doesn't know, and you don't know if you're gonna ask somebody because, like, Jesus, you know, there are people that are obviously harboring these secrets and these stories and these experiences, and it's it is it is I imagine a lifetime's worth of challenges to to contend with. And so, you know, he doesn't know whether he's got whether he can ask. And he called me about it, and I was like, dude, yeah, look, you just gotta be just a friend, and be patient, yeah. and yeah, well, and or ask. just like just be quiet and and you know and, and wait and see if he brings it up. But you just know, you know, you know, hold that space for him. And and you know, and then he called me back. I think like a week later, it was like. Devin didn't get touched. It's all good. It's like, okay, all right, cool. Um, like, okay. And it's crazy, man. Like kind of my entire child acting career, like I avoided, um, like I, I had a great experience as a child actor, but there are people who want to take advantage and there are mothers and fathers who would put their kids in harm's way, not fully consciously, but just like, oh, it's an opportunity. Go meet with that producer. Go meet with that. Like just yeah. trying to make the, the dream happen. Like, there are parents who would put their kids in questionable situations. Um, and I just like never had that. Although there was a stand in on the pilot of Ned's who like a couple years later I saw in the newspaper was arrested for being a child acting coach who f molested children. No way. And we, we had that Whoa. guy on our set as a stand in dude. Holy shit. Wow. Wow. Spooky. There's one important thing to say. This is just so not overly serious, but just sobering, which is for parents that are, you know, helping their kids get into this industry and do all of that stuff. There's just a matter of having your head on your shoulders and not assuming that everybody in authority position has your child's best interest in mind and just Absolutely. being just being aware as aware as possible. And there's there's too many instances that like as a kid actor where it's like for with an acting coach, you're going to go into that office alone and work right. on your scenes like maybe if you're meeting with an agent they want to meet with you and not your parent like there's a lot of instances where your kid might be put somewhere alone within an adult that's not normal in other life and so just have your eyes open about who you're like letting your kid around yeah yeah absolutely right yeah i think and i imagine too i mean we we've talked a little bit about how at some point we'll delve into like the real all this all the union rules and how these things and how they've definitely i'm sure evolved over the last few years because for adult actors now all kinds of rules have evolved for set um, behavior and what what is okay and not okay on sets. Uh, and post Me Too. Exactly, and post Me Too, mm -hmm. and for very good reason. And I know everybody. There's not a single person you would find that is complaining about it. And no. you know, and so so. I, but I, yeah, I don't know if things have evolved like that um, for kids. Besides, maybe just a general awareness that's evolved. You know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, to to start to move, you know, yeah. into. Uh, our last little bit of our interview with you, which is, you know, we like to ask everybody the same two questions uh, at the end of each interview. And the first one is, if you had a kid and they said they wanted to be an actor, would you let them do it? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, not at Absolutely all. Absolutely not. Go away. Be a yeah. kid. When, act when you're out of my life. <laughs> okay, but, but are you happy that your parents let you pursue it? I'm so happy that my parents did what they did to let me live my life. So and everyone had, answers this question the same way. And I had, an, 
ideal experience. I had an ideal version of it and I would still be like, no, we're going to skip all of that. <laughs> yeah, you'd really <laughs> trade it all. Well, I, this this begs me this other question just out of curiosity is, have you ever thought about what your life would have been like had you not booked We Were Soldiers, come out to LA, booked Ned's Declassified, uh, and ended up staying in Los Angeles? Like in Atlanta, Georgia, are you an accountant like your father? Or what, well, do, you, what do you think what, happened? Whatever would have happened, I would have been fine, man. My my parents ripped. Like, they were, they were great. Um, yeah. And like, what I, I was smart. Like, whatever I set out to do, I would have had a great life. I'm social. I know how to make friends like it would have been fine I'm just yeah. so glad they gave me the leg up into my artistry like I'm an artist I'm a, I'm an artist and I'm a performer and I'm the older I get the more amazing it is to me that they were willing to um make so many sacrifices to give me the chance to succeed at it and it ha and it worked and it has given me a leg up and things I can use in my life and um I'm so glad and life experience, like moving to LA and working all these jobs that I've worked and working with adults, like it's incredible. I'm so glad they let me do it. I would never let my kids do it. <laughs> cool. If so. we asked your mother this question and said, if you could go back and the same choice was being made for Devin, Devin comes to you and says, I want to be an actor. Do you say yes or no, knowing everything that you know now? Do you think she would, what do you, what do you think her answer would be? I wonder, there's a chance there's a chance she would say no, but ultimately, I mean, she would sit with that question, but ultimately I think she would be like, no, nah, it was, it was a good thing for him. And ultimately like that, like she didn't love Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, she's on the beach right now, guys. Dude, she's she's the, playing bongo drums she, on the beach. She's, she's about she's to go eating paddle an surfing. Edible on the beach, man. She's like yeah, living exactly. her best life, dude. Yeah, exactly. Um, so ultimately, I think she'd sit with that question, but I, I think she would she would do it again. Like, yep, yeah, but not not my kids. They, yeah. <laughs> cool. Go read so a book. Us... Go join a club at school. You're we're not <laughs> we're not doing this. All right, so AJ, you're gonna bring us around to our last question there. I get. I'm always doing the last question. Uh, right. I'll do it again, but you you can do it too. Do Chris, finisher. you can do it too. We well, do it at the same time. Let's finish each other's sentences. No, come Let's on. Finish each other's sentences. That's ridiculous. That's yeah. ridiculous. Okay, I'm gonna say it really fast. Okay. Uh, Devin, what okay, did you do? Devin, what, what, what did you do with your Coogan account money? Coogan account money. What did you do with Coogan account money? What did I do with my Coogan account money? That was an exciting day. Yeah. <laughs> that was an exciting yeah. day when when fifteen percent of everything I made as a kid was all of a sudden in a bank account that was just for me. That was a happy day. I said, yeah. I have what? Yeah. <laughs> I have how much money? Well, this is exciting. I didn't spend my money frivolously on on stupid shit, but I did spend it on experiences. So um and I bought my car, my my Scion. Like people ask, do you have a nice car? I'm like, I have my Scion TC that I bought when I was 17. Nice. Um, <laughs> It's uh, running decent. Um, <laughs> you still have it? Yeah, still. That's awesome. Look at that. What I got. Um, there we go. But uh, what did I do? Like I spent it on like like going to Burning Man a lot of times. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went and explored life, man. And like I said, Ned's had this this perfect level of I had a fan base, but not so much fame, fame that I couldn't go to like music festivals and be a little punk and like be like explore life and be kind of anonymous with it i was at outside lands like uh pretty close to the front row to listen to Sigur Rós, that incredibly moving icelandic band yeah. and uh and i was coming up on a pretty strong dose of mushrooms and uh <laughs> this little group in front of me of like teenage whatever they like turned around and recognized me and started like taking photos and, being, and then someone asked like are you ned and i was like 
I don't know what that not, means. <laughs> yeah, right. Not right now, not right baby. Now. <laughs> I can't be a role model right now. Yeah, this I'm is a broad the... prince. <laughs> that is such a wonderful way for us to put an exclamation point on this talk. Perfect. That's it, dude. Devin, well, look, thank man. you so much for being open and sharing about your experience and going through yeah. all the paces with us. It's been so nice for you to to give us all the shades and give us everything. And I, you know, and whether you realize it or not, it sounds like you do. And I'm glad that you you do recognize it. But it, there is no, um, it is so obvious of what a like a nice, joyous, free heart you have, and you know, and how much you uh, obviously have grown through your life and taken all these experiences and moved with them, uh, and how much you cherish them, and they they have not become strange, shameful blemishes on your life or, you know, or things that, uh, you know, yeah, that, that haunt you in any way that it's, it's so nice to see that you've, you've taken the, the role model that you played on television and adopted that as a facet of you and that you still continue to share that with the world. That's really fucking dope. I just think yeah, that's great, man. Yeah, man. Look, the ups and downs, this life has been good. And like, thanks for having this podcast. It, it is, it is a weird experience that all of us have that, people are interested in because everyone wants to know, like everyone's interested in actors that they've seen on movies and TV and, and our experience as kid actors. It's weird. We've lived a weird life, man. Yeah, but, uh, it is. But, it's a strange, unique experience. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. I kind of love how my life has gone. And lastly, I'll say like the beautiful thing in life is like, I'm glad I didn't get the success that I've, I've wanted my entire life. Like, yes, I had Neds, but after it, I'm glad it didn't go the way I wanted it to because uh, it's helped me like develop as a human and actually have a life experience beyond this weird little insular acting world that we all come from. Yeah. And you know what? I am absolutely convinced it will happen to you in your 60s if it didn't happen prior. You know, it's like, exactly. You know, it, it's, it is an inevitable haul, part. Man. Yeah. I think of, of anybody's experience if you decide you want to you want to act longer than a year, you know? Yep. So I, I'm so appreciative you shared so much of your, your life and it's yep. so, it's such a wonderful ride and it's so far from over and I can't wait till you're on whatever beach in some future uh, with a, uh, some tequila with, in your with hand. With your brother naked. Exactly. Yeah, your brother naked. Yeah. I'm going to show up on that set. That's going to be the one time <laughs> where I go there. like, my we'll brother on a set, that. I'm coming down. Make sure you're on that next one. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much, guys, for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And if you did, if you had an extra moment, if you wouldn't mind rating us, putting out a review out there, and perhaps telling someone you know that you think might enjoy this, uh, we would really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Tune in next week for another episode.